welcome to the School of Laughs podcast, brought to you by SchoolofLaughs.com. Whether you're an aspiring comedian, a part-time pro, or a speaker who wants to become funnier, this is the podcast for you. We'll break down tools, tips, and techniques to help you get bigger, better, and more bookable. And now, here's the show. Welcome to the podcast. Rick Roberts here. Thanks to our Patreon supporter for this episode, Mr. Bo Schuster. Bo, I hope you're doing well. I know you're a social guy and you'd like to be out there doing some time on the microphone. And uh, those times will be back at some point. But until then, uh, give me a holler if you're getting kind of bored and lonely and want to go over jokes, man. Give me a shout. Thanks for supporting the podcast and being part of Club 52. Club 52 is a bonus perk you get if you contribute at the $7 a month or more level. If you listen to this and you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, you can sponsor the podcast and I give you some cool things in return. And uh, Bo has done that uh, faithfully for quite a long time. So thanks, Bo, for being one of our longest supporters on the show. You can find out more about that, schoollast.com forward slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N. All right, today I've got Moody Molavi. It's M-O-O-D-Y-M-O-L-A-V-I. If you want to pull it up, check him out. Uh, check out his website. He's got a nice website and uh, got some links up there that you want to check out in the top right corner to his socials. And he's got some video on there. You can check out some clips from his dry bar special. But if you don't know Moody, you will because we're going to go and talk to him right now. And this was recorded pre-coronavirus uh, a while back. So uh, we're sitting in the same room and uh, we're okay with that. Here we go. Well, I am here with Moody. Moody, I, we, we just established that I met nine years ago. That's right. At the Comedy Catch in Chattanooga. Um, had you been doing a little bit of comedy at that point, or no comedy, or what was the vibe for you? Because I, I was uh, basically dared to do a comedy uh, contest in 2009, and I. Uh, just like in business, I'll, I'll go and I'll research and research and research before I go do. And so like all summer long, I'd gone and watched this Southeastern funny person search and I'd watch them, how they would, you know, judge them and I'd take notes. And, and then, uh, they had an opening and said, Hey, somebody backed out. Cause this is, a, it's like the sixth month long. Oh yeah. They'll drag that out as long as humanly possible. It's like every Wednesday night. It's like how they just get money on Wednesday nights, I guess. But, right. But uh, there was a fellow named Wade Cardwell, and I said, hey, and he was he was the host for every show. And uh, he said, uh, I, I told him I want to get in. He goes, well, it's all full up. But then he calls me up one night, and he goes, hey, one guy bowed out, so we're going to have 21 contestants come on out and for that one spot. And so uh, I'd never done it before. I'd wanted to since I was a kid, and um, I got first. So I pulled the curtain because they're like, who wants to go first? I'll, I'll go, you know, and I just talked about my dad. I talked about me and my dad and, you know, I would do his voice because eh, everybody doesn't expect these to come out of me because I'm just this really big country boy uh, born in Iran and people don't expect it. So it's just, it was funny. Um, was it South Iran? Uh, no, <laughs> it was North Iran. It's, it's Iran. Why do I say Iran? So anyway, and uh, I remember Quincy uh, Kaler. Uh, was one of the judges that for that giggles grill contest to get into this thing, and she said, "Have you ever done stand up before?" I was like, "No, this is my first time." She's like, "That's just crazy." And I remember my wife was there, and it was—I mean, it was like three hours long because twenty-one people doing this stuff, you know. And then at the end, they're like, 
hey, so here's your winner, Moody Malavi. And I contained my, you know, emotions until we got out of the truck. And I looked over at my wife, Kelly, and I'm like, oh, my God, can you believe that just happened? That was crazy. <laughs> and uh, it was neat. It was neat. And she's been supportive ever since. So um, Michael, uh, actually, I go into the contest, and I ended up doing third. And that was November of 2009. And then uh, uh, Michael Alfano uh, said, you know, to come out. And then I just started hosting, and I hosted every show from then until – May of 2010, that's where I met you uh, in that uh, stretch. And then I crashed my motorcycle, and I stopped doing comedy. So hmm. I didn't get back into it until uh, – I'm sorry, it was May 2010. Uh, I didn't get back into it until 2012, 13, somewhere in there. Mm-hmm. And it was hard to get Michael's uh, trust that I would actually show up. So he didn't – he wouldn't use me for a good 18 months to two years – and then I just, I was always there. It was like, just go up. Gotcha. And, you know, what went from, you know, five minutes, then to seven, then to 10, and then to 15. And sometimes people wouldn't show up and just stay up there till I call you off, which is the hardest thing. Oh, yeah. Cause it's like, well, I just did my closer. What else do I do? <laughs> right. Yeah. You got to know when to, when to rap so you can rap. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, uh, I learned the term killed, you know, and, and, and it's overused. It's in the comedy world. It's greatly overused. <laughs> and, but if you go back, because I would record all my sets on, on my phone. Uh, and I did. I, I killed the audience. I didn't kill, <laughs> right. uh, you know, like the content. <laughs> right. It's like there. I remember hearing one person because you. I put it on the stool. I remember hearing so one person like, "I feel so bad for him." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I thought I'm like, "Yeah, I did it." Because my adrenaline's going <laughs> right, but I, it did horrible. Oh, did I know that's probably the most overused term. I don't know that I've ever killed. I've been doing it for 29 years. If there's been shows that have been really strong, and there's been sets that have been really tight, but as far as saying. I left them in a state where they could not believe what just happened and they couldn't accept another comic after me. No, I don't know if I've ever done that, but there's every comic that I've worked with has killed at some point. I know I've probably felt like it when I was really beginner, really what I was thinking is I finished the set without getting heckled. I must've killed. I must've killed. That's right. That's right. So 2010, then a little break to 2013 ish or so you kind of get back into it. Um, and I always like to ask this too of guys that are married and have kids. You said your wife is supportive. You know, how do you juggle? Hey, I've got to leave the house, go out and do some stuff at night, leave you guys back with, uh, with your home time. Uh, well, when Kelly and I first got together, uh, 22 years ago, I played pool seven nights a week. So this was an improvement that you've just gone a few times. Improvement, yes. <laughs> and so when I started, when I, when we got married, she's like, you got to back off in the pool seven nights a week, you know? So, um, I did, and eventually it got down to uh, one night a week. And when I got into comedy, um, I traded that. And so instead of going out to play pool, I'd go out and you know do a show. And, and then of course doing the comedy catch, and you're there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know you're you're there from five o'clock in the afternoon to you know two in the morning sometimes. Yeah. And that went on for a long, long time. Yeah. And I learned a lot. That's the key, and you know. Quite a few good comics come through the comedy catch. Anybody stick out to you as far as somebody kind of took a few minutes to hang with you and give you any kind of tips or feedback on your set? Um, bees, uh, definitely. Killer uh, Bees. Killer Bees. He was the first one to uh, give me a shot on the road with him. He was doing a two-man show in Knoxville in 2015. And uh, that was he's, he's definitely been uh, a good friend. Uh, Dan Whitehurst. No, Dan's great. Um, he was going to be the first person to take me on a gig. Um, it was with Bonkers, 
he's like, hey, man, you want to go with me? And it's like, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, I was getting all pumped up. And it was some new comedy thing they had signed on with some Blue Ridge Cafe. And then it, it basically the week of, they decided, no, nah, we're not going to do this anymore. And uh, so I, I didn't get to do it with Dan first. And so I, I did it with Bees first. But uh, gosh, there's plenty of people that I've met through there. Um but those two are the, the, the main standouts for me. What about any um, advice you got or insight you got that caught you by surprise or that you was helpful but maybe at the moment didn't feel right, but then you absorbed it and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, they probably are right about that. Any of those moments? Uh, lots, lots, lots of those moments, uh, primarily from Michael Alfano. Yeah. Um, I remember I did this uh, this joke where – uh, when, when, you know, I, I was I was the class clown, and I always basically would get expelled every year um, and have to come back. But I would do all sorts of weird things, and I like to do voices. And so I went up there, and I did this Gomer Powell meets the terrorist uh, uh, thing. <laughs> and and I get off of there. Oh, no, I met Elmo. That's right. It was, it was Gomer, Powell, Gomer Powell, terrorist, and Elmo. And uh, I get off stage, and I thought I did really well. And he comes up, and he says a few words, which I won't repeat. Uh, but basically, it was what were you thinking? Uh-huh. And uh, and of course, you know, at first you get that pride in the way. You're like, who do tell me? I mean, how many how many comics are like, no one tells me about my art? I mean, seriously, I just a Gomer, a Jitterus, and there's no art to it. <laughs> right? I'm, yeah. just, I'm just playing around <laughs> up there. So I was like, okay, okay. Didn't want to make you know the little dude mad because he's way tinier than I am. Yeah. Uh, but he gets you know it was great advice. Um, another one was record all your sets. Mm-hmm. And and it's so painful to go back and listen to these sets, and that takes so much time because you don't just listen to them; you grade them. Right. And I I, I approach everything like in business. I, I approach everything with math, you know. So I give different values for things. Like, do they do they kind of chuckle, or do they actually laugh, or do they you know have a big belly laugh? Did you get an applause break, you know? And so I would uh, I was taught by a guy named Michael Gardner uh, to do that. To, to gauge what you actually did. And he also taught me something, um, the trigger word. And like, go back and look at your jokes. What do they laugh at, right? And so that is your trigger word. Um, there's one joke that I do talking about um, my wife working her phone. And I said, um, originally, uh, it's hard to remember what I originally mm-hmm. said, but it basically was like, uh, she, I found out that she'd spent 300 bucks replacing her phone. And my wife is deaf, which I think it's hysterical. It's like you don't even use the phone. <laughs> right, right. You just use it as a game thing and texting. And uh, she said, well, I thought you'd be proud of me. I took care of it. I didn't have to call you because I'm the tech guy, right? That's what I do uh, and during the day. And I said, no, i got 300 reasons why I'm not proud of you. Right. This is, this is horrible. You know, why would you buy another one? And like, which kid broke it, you know? Must it had to be a kid? She goes, "Well, if you want to know, I was reaching to save, you know, our our, our kid from running in the parking lot. And I dropped the phone and it shattered. Are you happy now?" And I said, "No, the, you know, the price." And I remember having this call. It's a true story. And I remember it, I said, "Oh, this is funny. I got to say it, otherwise I'll forget it." And I said, um, "You know, for thirty bucks, we could have just paid a copay." Right, right. You know, uh, and and I forget how I said it originally, but it, the. Uh, yeah, I said the copay for an injured child is thirty dollars. Well, the funny word was copay, right? And I didn't realize that. I told that joke over and over and over again, and they were laughing at copay, but then they would stop laugh 
Stop laughing because, oh, he's still talking. Right. What else has he got to say? Which was nowhere near as funny, so he just died. Mm -hmm. So when I went back and I changed it to, you know, the price of an injured child's a $30 copay, I stop, and it's boom. It's a much different joke. Uh, And that was was taught to me by Mike Gardner. Yeah, knowing when – knowing what triggers a laugh gives you also a chance to pause. Mm-hmm. So putting it at the end of the sentence gives you a natural place to pause, which gives them a natural invitation to laugh. So you, sometimes you don't, you're too close to your own jokes to even know what's going on, but also not knowing how to pick out those things. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's, that's super helpful. And something I've learned probably 10 years in, you know, I, I would get to laugh, and it might be five or six more words that I was trying to wrap the sentence up with, but there'd be a couple of nights where I would have to take a breath, when I said the trigger word, and I'm like, oh, that's what I should have been doing the whole time, yeah. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and watching a lot of interviews with Rodney Dangerfield, uh, he, would, he would take one word out of every successful joke until it stopped working and then put that last word back in. So that made me even think about the economy of words in a bigger way, like what else, what am I saying that doesn't need to be there, mm-hmm. you know, and, and really editing it out. So that's cool, man. So you got some good advice early on, and – been in Nashville less than a year, roughly a year? Oh, no, I just got here in June. In June. Yeah. So, yeah, in Murfreesboro, right? Yep. How's that going? Love it. It's so awesome. And was it, uh, did that work with your job? Did your job lead you here, or did well, how, how did it all it's come a together? a huge God thing. And um, my wife has been uh, uh, volunteering for a, a nonprofit for over 14 years, and she like I like looking at something and then going back and seeing what all took us there and it's just nothing but huge God movements every single time. Um, how she got into volunteering for this, how you know she got excited about this, and um, she lost her job on February eighth. And this company, the nonprofit, had been courting her for at least you know a year or so. She's like, no, it's just not something we could do. We just can't move to Nashville, you know and. And uh, this went on and on, uh, and then we get the bad news. I remember it was noon that day, and I was doing a, a show uh, at a church in Ringgold, Georgia. And when we do those shows, my family comes with me because they do all the, they do all the uh, the sales and stuff, mm-hmm. so I can stand and talk to people. And um, so we're going to go to that. She tells me she just got laid off, and she's supposed to work through March. Um, and her last day is, you know, March thirtieth. Uh, and then when she gets home, I knew she was going to be upset. And she goes, "I got an offer letter that makes sense." And I was like, "Well, I guess we're saying yes to that." Yeah. And so uh, I, I talked to my boss uh, where I work, and, and we had several chats about how I can do my work remotely. Uh, they actually have an office up here, which is four blocks away from where my wife's office is. Oh, how about that? Yeah, of all the places in Nashville, it's, it's so it's right there. Gotcha. So. Um, you did Dry Bar back when was that in February, March? It was so that was it was really cool. Uh, it was March thirty first. Okay, so this so was so basically we're like okay, so your last day is going to be March thirtieth, and we're flying out to Utah, and uh, so Kelly and I went out there and. It was like basically this big celebration of changing our life. That's pretty cool, man. So I'll keep an eye on that. Well, cool, man. What else are you looking forward to doing with with your comedy now? I mean, there's a million different things you can do. You've got a a day job. It's, you know, pretty solid. So Uh you probably have X amount of weekends or dates or days or vacation days that you can utilize. What do you want to do with those? And what, what other opportunities are you looking for 
little more local. Right. Uh, well, actually, nowhere near local. Uh, I want to do military uh, shows. Um, it's, I never served in the military. I couldn't. I had uh, a metal rod stuck in my leg where I uh, was a 15-year-old idiot and crashed a car into a ditch. Oh, man. You've crashed a car and a motorcycle? Man, I had 19 wrecks before I was 19. What? Yeah, I, w- I was really, really, really. Call me bad. when you get home tonight. I just want to make sure <laughs> you hit. I've been great for a long, long time. But, 19, but I learned a lot, man. 19 wrecks. I was 19. Did yeah. you grow up around the Chattanooga area, or did you move around quite a bit? No, we grew up in Chattanooga. Well, there's a lot of hills over there. There are so many hills. There's a lot of hills. The old runaway ramps for the... I love how the runaway ramps for the trucks are on the left side, and they uh-huh. say all trucks stay on the right lane. Yeah. So if they got to run away, they're going to cross three, three lanes to get to that ramp. You know, the last time I was in Chattanooga, uh, last week, I came across that hill... And there was a cop backed up into the runway, uh, the runway lane mm-hmm. or the ramp. And I thought, that's really dumb. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. if there's a truck coming, he's out of control. Yeah. <laughs> and now, he, now he's, he's, he's coming right for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I thought that was kind of weird. But. I don't know if you know Danny Stortz or not, but he was a Chicago comic, lives in Nashville. I don't know if he does much comedy anymore, but he had a great line about, uh, we live in a nice little place. It's a real area at the end of a runaway truck ramp. <laughs> it's really hard to have nice things. Every day picking up precious Hummel figurines off the ground. <laughs> but it was just like one of my favorite jokes he ever had. So so military bases and stuff like that. Have you got any contacts with people that book those kinds of things? We can put the word out if you don't. Maybe people can connect with you. Um, I'm, actually, I met Jeff Capri um, because he was – I got to drive bar the, the night before to support Lee uh, Harden, and he was recording Jeff Capri. So the next morning we all hung out. Um the the day of my recording and it was neat you know then i didn't realize that's what he did until i started seeing all these posts of him out there with julie scoggins you know who's another friend of mine uh by the way she's taught me about merch my goodness that lady is the queen of merchandise we'll circle back to that in a second get a couple of tips yeah so you you met jeff and you're like okay this military base thing is a thing and they they um, actually, I've always wanted to do the military base thing. Actually, I didn't know that Jeff Capri was part of it until he came back from his trip and he posted something. Mm. And and I only caught it because Julie posted something. And I saw his name. I was like, wow, what a small little world. And so maybe is that why I went to drive ours, you know, was to make that contact. I don't know. But it's something I've always wanted to do because I never served. Uh, my son actually just enlisted. Oh, really? Uh, August 27th. And he's on the Tennessee uh, Army National Guard. And while he's a senior at high school, that's a really cool thing. Oh, wow. Yeah. That sounds like it, they might help with college, perhaps. Oh yeah, it's yeah. A, it's uh it's I could do an entire podcast on on that whole uh, scenario. But again, that was a god thing for us because we met the recruiter when we came up here, and we learned so many different things. What would be good? What wouldn't be good? And uh, I think my favorite thing uh, was that he got to do what he wanted to do. He got the job that he wanted to get. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks to the recruiter uh, getting it set up for him. But he'll be working on Black Hawk helicopters. So once he gets through all of that uh, training, he can go to MTSU, uh, he can go to Austin P and the Tennessee National Guard. They actually defer payments for those schools instead of, hey, if you make A's, then we'll pay. I mean, you still got to make the A, mm-hmm. but it's deferred and it's discounted and they pay. So you never have to touch anything. Wow. You know, my best, one of my best friends from high school, Dwayne, went into the military, and he grew up a mechanic, and that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Worked on helicopters, and uh, occasionally we'll fly him. He's in eastern Kentucky, and they'll they'll do like the the drug raids where he'll he'll put the helicopter right on top of the guy's house, mm-hmm. and so like 
they're paranoid to come out. They stay in. And if they go out, he's got them surrounded. They can't make phone calls to, you know, hey, because it's so loud. Right. But it's, it's pretty, pretty cool, man. Well, let's jump on the merch thing real quick. Julie Scoggins taught you some things about merch. We can all learn about merch. I don't merch as much as I used to. I'm primarily in corporate areas, mm-hmm. and I give away my CD as like a way of getting my name out. Right. But what what is the scene like? What works? What seems to work for Julie or you? Or what tips have you picked up? Yeah, well, Julie, she's got um, different things. I mean, like she's got at least I don't know four or five different things that she's selling. Like uh, her her merch pitch at the end of the show is basically like a ten minute bit, mm. you know, and it's great. Uh, but she finds useful things that people would want to have, you know, and and she'll put her logo on them. Uh, I think one like a slap. Um, bracelet or slap thing on the back of a phone to for a stand and a place for your credit cards to go in with your phone and just she's looking at things that are useful and she's just putting her logo on them she taught me that you have to just keep on doing your marketing you know before the show like greet people and mm-hmm. say, hey this is my contact information uh, i want you to fill this out so i know more about you i'll put you on my, my list so i know when to email you when i'm going to be back mm-hmm. in town um, just very proactive in that measure, which, you know, a lot of comics are like, ah, I just want to be funny, you know, but it's a business, you know, today now more than ever, <laughs> I hate that phrase, but maybe it's never been more than now. Maybe it's always been the same, but the, the balls in your court, a hundred percent now as, as a performer, whereas back in the day, you relied on the club to do a lot of things for you. Now, if you do it correctly, you, you don't even need the club. You've got the social media following, the email list. Right. If you've got the reach, so wh- is there anything you do specifically at shows to make sure people sign up for an email list? Or I'm horrible at that. I would I would make an effort to do something where you collect that email address after. I'm, I'm going to listen to this podcast later. And <laughs> that's where I write down my notes. Like, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, well, it's definitely worth your while. Well, cool, man. It seems like everything's going the right direction. I'm excited about your move here. It seems like that's opened up a few doors. And, you know, I moved here almost 20 years ago because of the location. You know, Chattanooga's not that far away, but you're a little more central and a lot closer to a lot more places now. Mm-hmm. You know, you're eight hours away from half the population of the U.S. almost. Yep. So pretty – maybe 16 if you count New York or something. But anyway, you're in a good spot, you know. We're so 12 hours away if you fly southwest anywhere. Right. And, and with all four stops. <laughs> that's true, man. You're uh yeah Southwest, I, that's who I fly primarily. Yeah, well yeah, you know, it's out of here. So, but yeah. it's uh it can be a couple of hops and skips. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Cool, cool. And if people want to find out more about you, I know you do Instagram a little bit more than I do. Uh, I've seen some pictures on there. Where do you like to send people? Um, uh, Facebook is uh, I had to do at the Mood Man, like the at sign the Mood Man, because I was always available. Um, and then Moody Malavi. Uh, not that anybody can pronounce or spell that name, but it's M-O-L-A-V-I. Um, and that's Moody Malavi's at Twitter. Moody Malavi is uh, Instagram. And my personal Facebook is, is that as well, but it will push you to the other one. Okay, cool, man. Well, y'all check out those links. Shoot him a message. Let him know you heard him on the show. And if anybody out there is booking uh, shows for the military, for sure, let him know that too. Maybe get him on that a little bit quicker. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be great. Cool, man. Thanks for doing it, Moody. Appreciate Thank it. You. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Moody Malavi. Again, you can go to MoodyMolavi.com, M-O-L-A-V-I.com. 
and uh, follow him on his socials. Check out his videos and all around good guy. I hope you enjoyed that and uh, and you got something out of the episode today. Hey, I've got a master laughter class going on right now. It's masterlaughterclass.com. That class is designed specifically for speakers and content creators who want to get uh, more humor into their message. It's not about turning you into a comedian. It's about using the tools and the techniques that comedians use to get more bang for your buck and more uh, impact when you speak by keeping the audience's attention with surprises and humor, just like a stand-up comic does. So you want to check that out, masterlaughterclass.com. And uh, also the regular stand-up writing class for those of you who do want to become a stand-up comedian. Different criteria, different curriculum. That is at uh, schooloflast.com. Just go ahead and click the class link on that site, and you'll find out about the uh, online class. And as soon as I feel good about it, we'll have a, a live class here in Nashville sometime this summer. But still trying to pick the dates and times for that. Thanks again for listening. Uh, If you haven't subscribed to us on iTunes, maybe you're listening on there, but you haven't subscribed or Stitcher or Spotify, please do so. In fact, Spotify, you can get all of the episodes. You can go way back to the first one and uh, listen all the way through if you're just now finding out about the podcast. Can't do that on iTunes uh, as easily and uh, even harder to do uh, on other platforms. So Spotify is my platform of choice if you want to just kind of get in there dig in and have it ready to go wherever you're at i recommend that one I'd like to read a quick itunes review here before we hang up today this one is a five-star review from smogly up in canada left on june 1st 2020 so i'm new to stand up and still putting together a set for when this corona stuff ends and while i wait this podcast has helped me a lot appreciate all the advice mate well, thank you, Smogly. And uh, as soon as this Corona thing does let loose, I hope you get out there, hit the open mics, running. Hopefully, you've heard some things on the podcast that has uh, got you thinking. So, thanks again for leaving the iTunes review. Thanks for subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. I'll talk to you next time around with a big time announcement about something cool that I'll get to do this fall, which involves cameras. All right, take care, stay safe, and stay funny. for listening to the School of Laughs podcast. If you'd like to hear more School of Laughs podcasts, you can find them on iTunes and Stitcher.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. For information on upcoming live and online classes, visit schooloflaughs.com. Until next time, stay tuned, stay focused, and stay funny.